Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Trisha Bobita. And I'm Greta Johnson. This week we talk with the glorious, the hilarious, the magnificent Jesse Klein. I don't know why I'm being like a circus caller today, but I'm just really excited about Jesse Klein, I guess. And you should be. Jesse <laughs> Klein is the head writer for Inside Amy Schumer, the hilarious sketch show on Comedy Central. She's also written for Saturday Night Live and The Kroll Show, and she's a frequent panelist on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Yes, her new book is called You'll Grow Out of It. You may have actually seen an excerpt of it. It was put in the New York Times in this article called Get the Epidural, which I don't know about you, dear listener, but at least for me and Trisha, I feel like it's fair to say it went viral. It was a prevalent thing in our Facebook feeds for a while. It was all over the place because Jesse <laughs> Klein's take on motherhood is one that is maybe more judgmental and less judgmental all at the same time. She is telling her story, and as the title of that suggests, she got the epidural. <laughs> we'll talk to her about that later in this interview. Yes, we'll also talk with her about how pregnancy and pending motherhood informed her writing for Inside Amy Schumer, when a tomboy becomes a tom man. It ain't and pretty. It ain't pretty. <laughs> and a very important analogy that you will want to know about wolves and poodles. Don't worry about it. Just trust us. Stay tuned. Here's Jesse talking with Trisha. For those of you really intense Nerdette listeners, you may remember we actually had Jesse on like two years ago, back in Nerdette babyhood days. Jesse Klein, this is not your first time on Nerdette. No. And you probably don't remember because it was many moons ago, like two years oh, ago. Oh, I at remember. Least. But you may not remember the one thing that we both have in common, which we have not completed the circle on this yet, which is. I used to dress up as Harpo Marks as yes. a child. Yes. And, and you. I dressed up as Groucho. So we're just one Marks brother away from being able to take the show on the road. I mean, who's it going to be? <laughs> we're Who, taking volunteers. Who's going into that Chico spot? <laughs> I assume we know we're not dealing with Zeppo. Yeah, that's, yeah, and we don't need a Zeppo. Uh, they I didn't mean, need a Zeppo. God forbid either. a Gummo. <laughs> if you go real deep cuts. <laughs> so I feel like when we discovered that last time around, I felt like, all right, I get you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. We, yeah. You're, we're, we're in the same ballpark as, as humans, for sure, <laughs> if not even the same section. <laughs> and then once I read You'll Grow Out of It, I was like, oh, yes, we are definitely kindred spirits uh, yes, in many I, ways. I very much feel the kindred, the kindredness. <laughs> so this book is fantastic. It's Thank a, you. a memoir. It's you know each chapter kind of delves into something a little different. But I would say the overarching theme is just sort of how to figure out how to be a grown up and deal with things that we all are dealing with. But the best way seems to be for you, humor. And I think for most of us, if we took ourselves a little less seriously, that would be good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I um, I mean, believe me, I take myself way too seriously. A ton. um, (laughs) But it is nice to then try to get back to like, oh, I mean, none of this is okay. My I'm alive. I don't have 
horrible disease. It's going to be okay. It's yeah. going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Maybe it's actually okay already. Like, and I think this started for you very early on. I guess it makes sense that children who dressed up as Marx Brothers didn't also <laughs> like Barbies. <laughs> yeah, they don't make a Marx Brother Barbie. Oh my God, a Groucho Ken doll would uh, be a really uh, strange Yeah, that toy. it's just Barbie as is, but then Ken is like this Jewish guy in vaudeville <laughs> makeup. Yeah, they haven't gotten to that one yet. No one's asked. I Maybe if you could, and I write a letter. We could, you know, just paint on the mustache. His was painted on. Yeah, a little grease paint mustache. Yeah. And you want all dolls to have cigars. Oh, why Why is it not happening all around <laughs> us at all times? But I was in a similar boat where people, because I was a girl child, would buy Barbies for child. me. Yeah. And then suddenly I was like, but why? What are these for? Can yeah. I just rearrange the furniture? I had this five-year-old dream to be an interior designer, even though I didn't really know what that meant. Right. Totally. So I ignored the dolls. So you love like a dollhouse. Yeah. Yeah. A small. I loved like anything, like a miniature anything was very cool to me as a little kid. But um, yeah, I never understood Barbies. I found them a little disturbing, actually, like real weird. And um, I don't know. I mean, clearly millions of girls dig them, but I don't know how many of them, I guess some just genuinely dig them. And then I'm sure there's a bunch of girls who have them handed to them. And kind of are like, well, I guess this is what I'm playing with. Meanwhile, their brother has some like awesome Tonka truck or whatever. That makes noise and does a thing. Yeah. I mean, now it's kind of great because I have a one-year-old son and he's, I have to say, he's like very into cars and trucks. And I'm into his cars and trucks. They're dope. (laughs) They're so fun. Um, It's fun to shop for his toys. But yeah, like why you would hand a little girl an anorexic porn actress with <laughs> fake size boobs and be like here you go run along i it is crazy so as a tomboy self-described tomboy what were you gravitating toward instead what were the things that made you feel <laughs> um, excited to play with you know i have an older brother and a younger sister but my my brother was first and we grew up in a very small apartment in New York City and like I mean the thing that's just coming to mind now is we we just invented a lot of games and we would ball up socks and throw them at each other and we <laughs> called it sock wars you guys can have that anyone who wants it <laughs> were they clean socks at least or uh, were the dirty socks like an extra 10 points can't say for sure can't <laughs> can say tell. for sure don't know <laughs> I guess maybe that was the heightening of the war if it was a dirty sock. Yeah, that's the extra. Yeah, that's the surge. (laughs) I I had an older brother, too, who I just wanted to be as a child. Sure. And so it was cute when I was five and I wanted to go to my school picture in a baseball uniform and hold a baseball because you were supposed to bring a prop. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) You remember those? Where you were supposed to like bring a thing that represents you. Yeah, it's like a photo, but make it a caricature of yourself. It's like one of the four composite headshots you would do eventually. Yes, these are things I like. (laughs) Um, I didn't do it for my school photo but I was a huge New York Mets fan what what and uh still am and I was like 86 Mets was like my team that was a good time to be a Mets fan and uh that was the year they won the World Series and um I happened to own a Mets like a little Mets uniform that I sometimes wore and I remember they won on some weeknight and in my head I was like you know what would be really cool if I go to school tomorrow in my Mets uniform and I carry my wiffle ball bat around. Uh, And I was like, I mean, let's be clear. I wasn't seven. I was like 12 or 13. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I rode like the you know New York City bus, not a school bus, like a public transportation bus to school. And I just remember stepping out the door, and I thought it, I was like, everyone's going to be dressed this way. <laughs> the city will be unified. Everybody, in oh yeah, I'm clearly not the only one who has this idea. And then I, and like between leaving the door and getting to like walking into school, I was like, oh, is this too much? <laughs> It was pretty uncool. But whatever. I was really proud of my team. It's no big deal. I love that your parents made sure you had the little Mets uniform. I don't even. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I mean, my parents are so incredible. I don't know where they got it, but they did. That's fantastic. They let me walk out the door in it. And you talk in the book about the charm of being a, a, you know, a tomboy kind of goes away as you get older. And then people are like, you were... As the book says, you're supposed to grow out of that. Yes, yes. Why? When is this going to come to a stop? <laughs> yeah, everyone is kind of like, ooh, little girl in her little like overalls with the scraped knee and pigtails. It's like super cute. But then if you're 31 and you're in overalls and you still carry a backpack the way <laughs> I did for a real long time. And yeah, people don't have that reaction. It's generally, I mean, even my, <laughs> I tell the story of, um, one of my dearest friends, the backpack came to a conclusion one night when uh, I was meeting one of my dear friends at a bar. And I had, I mean, I carried a big backpack because I have a lot of stuff. Like, what am I <laughs> supposed to do? I got my stuff. And I was coming from work and I walked into this bar and I like, you know, dropped my backpack to the ground. And she just looked at me and she went, Jesse, I love you, but your backpack is hurting my feelings. <laughs> and I was like, what? Yeah. And then I was like, I... I maybe it's time to buy a purse. I've been told by people who live in New York that finding a purse that actually can fit everything that the backpack can, because you kind of have to live your life that yeah, way. Yeah, you don't throw your things in your car in New York. So it's a challenge, though, right, to go from the comfort of a backpack where oh. you kind of are ready to just like never go home again as oh. long as you have it oh, with no, you. No, 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 yeah, no. If this turned into Walking Dead situation, like I've got my backpack, You're all good my to stuff, go. there's yeah. like sardines and a flashlight, <laughs> yeah, flares, <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, I yeah. The purse thing, because then there's all these women walking around with these purses, and I I now own, you know, I have a couple of them, but they tend to weigh, the purse alone, like one of those schmancy, insanely expensive purses, on its own weighs like eight pounds, because it's made of a (laughs) full cow, (laughs) like including the bones, so it's a bummer. It's a bummer that we're not allowed to just do what's comfortable. Tricia, what's really wonderful about this conversation and, you know, makes me have some questions is the fact that you did not say that you use a backpack. I am only 29 years old and Jessie didn't get rid of her backpack until the age of, I believe, 31. So I have two more years of Tom Manning (laughs) around with my backpack. So I'm 31, which means I'm no more backpacks for you. Purses full of bones. (laughs) You can carry your heavy purse. I'm going to stick with my backpack for as long as I can get away with it. There is a whole thing about, like, journalists, I think, wear backpacks more than normal people, right? I have a computer and a camera and all kinds of stuff, okay? I need a backpack. I feel like you can put those things in a purse, though. But then I'm not as agile because I'm (laughs) one of my hands is carrying the bag. I need to be ready to move quickly. I do respect agility is important. I also think the survival aspect in in a purse or a backpack is really important. Like, I like to think that I have enough things in my purse that I could live off of them for a couple days if I really needed to. Like carrots, you mean? Like carrots, deep yeah, in your carrots purse. and ibuprofen. <laughs> There's carrots and ibuprofen. Yeah, that's really all it takes. So in an apocalyptic situation, yeah, man. you'll be able to Call fend me. off a mild headache <laughs> and scurvy. 
Yeah. Better <laughs> off than most of you people. <laughs> Still to come on Nerdette, Jesse has a theory about the two kinds of women in the world that may or may not make you feel better about yourself. Because <laughs> we're all dogs either way. <laughs> Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. You're listening to Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. I'm Trisha Bobita. And this week we're talking to Jessie Klein. She has a new book. It's called You'll Grow Out of It. And one of my favorite chapters in this book is about the poodle versus wolf dichotomy that women exist in. I didn't realize this existed, but now that Jessie Klein has (laughs) explained it, I think she may be onto something. I briefly worked at SNL and one night, you know, you stay up all through the night there several nights a week. And it was like three in the morning and me and uh, another great writer who used to be there. Her name's Emily Spivey, where, you know, you're, you don't look your best. You're not your best self at 3 a.m. when you've been writing for nine hours. And we kind of just were zombieing around the hall and there was a TV on and Charlie Rose was interviewing uh, Angelina Jolie, who is Angelina Jolie. And we were just staring at her. And I think it was Emily who was like, isn't it like, are we the same species <laughs> as her or not? Because it doesn't feel like we are. And I, and I was like, yeah, you know what? It's like, it's like with poodles and wolves, where like technically, they're both dogs. Like they're very, they're kind of what is it? The genus, <laughs> the species, but they. How is that possible? They are not the same in any way. Um, and so I kind of started thinking, you know, some women are poodles and some women are wolves, and really like. The metaphor I'm driving at, and I will just say, it's not that poodles are pretty and wolves aren't. Wolves are, it's not a beauty judgment because they're both beautiful. To me, the idea of a poodle is someone whose femininity comes effortlessly to them and who's very comfortable in kind of all of the little daily rights of creating the performance of femininity as we know it in our society. And maybe to them, it's not a performance. It just kind of oozes out of them. Whereas... Just for me to sit here, I had to have like an arm wrestling match with a pair of spanks this morning that <laughs> I don't that I think everyone lost. <laughs> no winners in that. No, no, no. It was just a, a, a draw to a loss. <laughs> yeah. You if know. you could wave a wand and just pick like one sort of absurd beauty thing to make disappear, so it just wasn't even a thing that people had to consider anymore. Can you think of one where you're just like, what if this just we just all stopped? doing this gosh like uh, oh oof, that's a toughie i mean i think like i mean I'd, thongs sure um why <laughs> um yeah uh low cut 
jeans, like the jeans that are supposed to like go right above your low waisted or whatever. Mm-hmm. Low rise. Low rise. That's the word. <laughs> See, even the wolf in me can't even. Yeah, a low rise jean. I guess again, no, no judgments. But just if we never but had to even consider that. Why it wasn't a thing. Like no one was wearing a low rise jean when I was a kid. Maybe you would buy a high rise jean and just pull it down. but there was a moment a few years ago where I was like I would like to go buy a new pair of jeans and every single jean like stopped right where my pubic bone (laughs) begins and uh, I have a lot of stuff going on on both sides uh, that could not clear that (laughs) fence without like where's the rest of these jeans yeah where did my (laughs) jeans go and it seemed like yeah they stopped making the ones that had a waist for a while so that made me I was uncomfortable So when you're fighting the should I go with the flow and like kind of conform to these things versus just finding things that make you feel good, it sounds like one of the places where you can go to find those things is anthropology. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) anthropology has kind of ceased even being about like purchasing anything. It's just an experience. It's just an experience. (laughs) Yeah. I I hate how much I love anthropology. (laughs) It's embarrassing. The way I describe it in the book is every anthropology feels like the manger where Zoe Deschanel was born. Um, it's just like the most, and I say that as someone who loves Zoe Deschanel. But um, it's a place. It's yeah, but it's also a place. <laughs> it just feels like there is a specific type of kind of manic pixie world traveler that you're ensconced in when you go in there. Where I'm like, oh, this seems like a good version of being this girl, like. I want to be this girl where all of my plates are mismatched and I, yeah, I wear like a an old mason jar lid as a hat or whatever they're selling. I think you would like this thing that I saw happen once on the street. It was uh, in the town where I was an undergrad and there was an anthropology in town. Mm-hmm. And I overheard this girl on the phone with her dad trying to explain a great many credit card purchases. Uh-huh. And she was trying to explained to him that they were all for textbooks about anthropology. (laughs) And I heard him say to her, that's not how the word is spelled. And she just couldn't figure out how to backtrack out of that one. And it's still one of my favorite things I've ever sort of seen happen. Oh, that's incredible. He was like, I created you. I'm not that dumb. That's really funny. Yeah. Hundreds of dollars spent on textbooks, Dad. Dad, yeah, I am going to be an anthropology major. <laughs> oh, why are you like wearing like an apron with dachshunds all over it for your class? <laughs> that's what they sell there. Uh, that's also really funny. sweater pants. I had a friend that worked there a few years ago, Ooh. and her job was to try to push people to buy the sweater pants. Sweater pants because no one was buying them because yeah. they were sweater pants. Yes, yeah, because they're full on sweater pants, yeah. and a sweater's for your top half. Yeah, yeah, cable knit pants. Yeah, you know, I tried on a pair of sweater pants. <laughs> once and I I not only to try them on I bought like two brought them home showed them to my husband he was like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> I was like no not these he was like please get out of here yeah <laughs> then I yeah they went they went back to the store you of course are uh, working on Inside Amy Schumer which I adore I always you know Thank I watch you. it every week when awesome. it's on it's so much fun but I, I wondered what are the other sort of badly behaving by someone else's standards, women on TV and film that you love? That badly maybe... behaving in terms of just like women who are not conforming. Yeah. To... Um, oh gosh. I mean, there are 
definitely there's so much more now than there used to be. I mean, Broad City, um, yeah. I'm obsessed with Catastrophe on Amazon. I don't know if you've seen that show, but it's it's like one of my absolute favorites. And Sharon Horgan, who created that show, is a genius. This is like her fifth series she's done, but she's an incredible actress and writer. Um, Veep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, you're like, how is, I mean, this show's now been on for five, five, six seasons. I don't know, but it's relentlessly incredible. And Julia Louis-Dreyfus is relentlessly incredible. She's um, so good on that show. It's, yeah, it's like, she's kind of a miracle. I think the magic of that show, too, is also that they're, very careful not to make it partisan. Yeah. So I think they've intentionally made it so you don't know what party she is in. Yeah. So everyone can sort of identify with her and also point a finger at her because yeah. they're not sure oh, if she's it's that her. asshole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. And then are there characters that you remember from growing up on TV or in, in movies or anything where you were sort of inspired by them to go like, okay, so this isn't the Disney princess model right. of being a woman. Interesting. You know, the thing... That pops to mind. This is not when I was like a kid kid because she's not that much older than me. But I I was really inspired by Janine Garofalo and like seeing her HBO special. I just loved her. I like loved everything about her. I still do. Yeah. And Joan Rivers you mentioned I think. Oh and yeah. Oh and of course Joan Rivers. Yeah. I mean she was one of the door door opener busters. Um, You can't have Amy Schumer without Joan Rivers, right? No. There's like a direct line sort of. Yeah, I I, I forgot to mention Joan just because she wasn't on TV as much at the moments I was watching TV, but sure, as a force in the world. And I mean, I think you just can't even imagine now how crazy it was that just that there, she was the like one of the only female stand-ups in a world just entirely dominated by guys it's amazing. Yeah. What month are you? What month are you? Eight and a half. Eight and a half. Oh, that, your first? Yes. Oh, so what are you going to have? A child? No, I know a child. I can... <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> you have a puppy. No, uh, I mean, boy, uh, boy or girl, do you know? Don't know. You don't know? Don't. You can have natural childbirth? I want to. I hope oh, to. Oh, God. Why? <laughs> <laughs> don't be ashamed to ask for help when it's, you know, oh, when I was in late, when I was having my child, I screamed. When I was having my child, ah! <laughs> and that was just during conception. Joan Rivers, who every female comedian who follows, I think, owes something to Joan Rivers. Jesse Klein loves her. And I think maybe was a little inspired by some of that set, even. I know, right? And some of the comedy that's in her new book, You'll Grow Out of It, all about being a new mother and having that epidural. So maybe she didn't have to scream <laughs> quite that loudly. Okay, but Trisha, I think we need to go back to this poodle wolf thing. Now that we've set up the dichotomy, I've been thinking about this a lot since reading You'll Grow Out of It, and I am not sure that poodles actually exist in the world. I kind of feel like we're all just wolves. I think some people are more like poodles. Because think about a sort of natural poodle, right? (laughs) One that hasn't already been shaved into the funny shapes like the topiary dogs. (laughs) You know, like it still takes work for a poodle to become peak poodle. Right. It's not a a natural effortless thing. But there are I definitely guess. some Wait, people so who are more poodly. So what's the equivalent? Like a natural poodle then is someone who's like graceful and and is, I, yeah, I don't know, man. Like we're all just like, we, ha- we all have armpit hair. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
so your contention is that we're all wolves. Some yeah. of us are just more sculpted. Yeah, I, yeah, we, yeah, exactly. All right. Well, we'll take it up with Jesse maybe the next time we talk to her. You think it's just all wolves all the time? Yeah, I feel we're like we're all just you know we poop, stark children. You know, like yeah, poodles poop. <laughs> That's true. Okay, I don't know. Would you be more comfortable if it was three things? If there were poodles, wolves, and corgis, and then you could be a corgi? Yeah, yeah, I th- yeah. I mean, always if I could be a corgi, I'd be more comfortable, Trisha. <laughs> All right, more with Jesse Klein in just a minute. We're going to talk about that epidural she got and what to do if once you have your kid, they're kind of a jerk. Girl, I want to get real with you. I got a lot of regrets in my life. I regret missing my father's funeral to audition for The Voice. I regret being high when my niece was born. But most of all, I regret telling you not to wear makeup. That's on me. But what's on you is hopefully more makeup. See, it's like I tore up the shag carpet assuming there were hardwood floors underneath, but it turned out to be just dirty linoleum. These are just metaphors, girl, but they are about your face. Let's get back to our conversation with Jessie Klein. She is the head writer for Inside Amy Schumer, which, of course, was something Trisha had to ask her about. One of the themes that I saw several times pop up on the latest season was either pregnancy or, or motherhood. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, for you, were you dealing with some of those things, too? Of like, what if my baby is an asshole, basically? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there are always those worries. I was pregnant during some of the writing and the shooting of the third season and then kind of had my baby in between. And yeah, it is a real mind blow, the insanity of entering. You think it's hard to be a woman before that and then it's just a whole other layer. You guys? Yeah. I am so glad that we all got pregnant oh, at the exact same no. time. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. For all months. I know is I want a natural birth and definitely not an epidural. Oh my I god. Mean, of course not. It's better for the baby. It is better for the baby. So much better for the baby. My midwife suggested a sea turtle birth. What is that? Oh, it's when you give birth on a beach and you dig a small hole and you kick sand on the baby and you see if it crawls into the ocean or into your arms. Wow. It's better for the baby. You know what, I would be careful, though, with a midwife. Even though they're not technically doctors, they still have some medical training. And Close enough. I just don't trust Western medicine at this point. I hope you all plan on eating the placenta. Of course. Yum, 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 Every Except drop. Except for the part that you bury in the front yard. The thing that's really so crazy is how, how free people feel to come up to you, strangers, and touch you um, when you are pregnant and touch your belly, talk to you, give you opinions that you are definitely not asking for. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I tell a story in the book about someone coming up to me when I was pregnant. I was online at a store to buy a sandwich. (laughs) Uh, And this woman turned to me and she goes, oh, when are you due? Which is fairly benign. And, um, you know, I was like, oh, June 27th. And then she, I was like, oh, I assume this is the end of this conversation. Right. We're done now, right? Because yeah, we're strangers. Bye. And then um, she went, oh, are you having a natural birth? And I was like, squash me. <laughs> and um, I just went, no. <laughs> and she just, and then I was like, well, now we must be done. And then she was like, oh, are you getting an epidural? 
And I was like, is this really happening? Why are you asking me this? Yeah, like, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> and then, weirdly, she disappeared. It turned out she'd burned down 50 years ago. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, but that was not, like, so such an isolated case of that. And then what was funny, I was like, I at the t- I was planning on having an elective C-section for no medical reason other than I just did not um, want to deal with labor. And the only reason because I science has created that, yeah, <laughs> so sure. Let's use Thanks, it. science. <laughs> um, and I I just had that that chapter got excerpted in the New York Times, and I'd emailed my editor. I was like, if there's one chapter I could have be in the world outside of the book as an excerpt, it would be that one, because I feel like there's so much pressure on women to give birth a specific way. And and to be clear, I am in favor of women giving birth however they want, as long as they are medically safe. I am no not judging people who don't want an epidural, people who want to give birth at a Whole Foods, people <laughs> who want to do it at home. But no, my only point was just feeling like the term natural birth is, I think, really insidious. It is technically a natural process, but part of the natural process of birth very much used to be that many women died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so did, and or did their babies. And an epidural is just pain relief. I just felt like people need to know, you can just chill <laughs> yeah. and do, yeah, you don't need to feel, it, it often feels to me like women are just sort of supposed to suffer. like Because it's natural. Because that's natural. Well, but no one wants to see it or talk about it very much. Um, you're supposed to do it. So yeah, that. <laughs> that has been probably the, besides Pokemon Go, that is the thing that is all over my Facebook news feed, all over my social media life is the epidural chapter people being got, circulated. Yeah, people got really intense about it. And it was interesting. Like a lot of women wrote like, thank you. I'm, it's like, or I'm, made me really happy when someone's like, I'm pregnant and I was deciding I didn't know what to do and really made me feel better. You know, and I hope it wasn't like a function of it. It got edited way down. I did try to keep in the piece, like, I am not judging anyone for what they do. I just feel like there's a lot of, around the idea of an epidural, there's a lot of scaremongering and pressure to not have one. I took a childbirth class. <laughs> I'd signed up for this two-day class that uh, I ended up dropping out of <laughs> on the second day. I pretended I was, we had a lunch break and I was like, I'll be back. And then just left, <laughs> um, waddled out of there as fast as I can, where it just, as a baseline, they were teaching you like, well, let's see how we can avoid an epidural. And I was like, why does it have to be that way? Yeah. Why can't it just be up to us? Yeah. So you have the book out. It's doing really well. People are passing this chapter around and, you know, everybody needs to read the whole book because oh, it's thanks. just it's really funny. It's I can open to any page really and find something that I, I laughed at or that oh, I, thank you know, you. Greta, my co-host and I were underlining things back and forth and, and oh, all that. So yay. it's one of those books, you know, that people need to awesome. read. You know, it's been such a crazy last few months for a variety of professional and personal reasons. You know, I have a baby and that tends to take up a huge part of the pie chart of your brain. You know, writing a book, it took me like three years and um, it takes so long and I kind of, to write it, just had to forget about the fact that anyone would ever read it. (laughs) I like kind of just ignored that half. But when I did think about it, I was like, well, there's a million books and at best, this will be ignored. And I would be fine with it being ignored. I was like, I just please don't let people like 
as a group actively hated. <laughs> um, ignored would be super safe and fine with me. So the fact that there's been any positive response, I'm like very happy to just be in this right now. It's, yeah, really, really satisfying to hear you say you liked it. Well, Jesse Klein, thanks so much for joining us. Everyone needs to check out the book. It's really one of those books that you're going to want to buy for your best friend and your sister and your cousin and your aunt and all of those people. It's You'll Grow Out of It, and it is in bookstores now. Check it out. Jesse, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. I love doing this. So before we let Jesse escape, we asked her for a homework assignment. Hi, I'm Jesse Klein, and I have two pieces of homework for you. Oh, two. Um, but they're good pieces of homework. One is by Lindy West's book, Shrill. It's amazing. And also don't forget to get Amy Schumer's book, The Girl with the Lower Back Tattoo, when that comes out in August. And then watch Catastrophe on Amazon. It's, it is an incredible show. Excellent homework from Jesse Klein. Lindy West, of course, was on a recent episode of Nerdette, and we talked all about her new book, Shrill, so check that out. And if you go way back in the way back machine of Nerdette episodes, Mm -hmm. you can hear a conversation with Rob Delaney, who is the star and creator of Catastrophe. So do Jesse's homework, and you have a couple of listening assignments from us then, too. Exactly. And you have a viewing assignment. I assume that all of you have already seen Star Trek because you're good nerds, but I finally saw it, and I have to say, dude, it it was just like... The most beautiful bromance of the most beautiful bros. And I just think everybody needs to go watch it. (laughs) And, of course, you should definitely at this point have already seen Ghostbusters. But Greta and I saw it. Mm -hmm. We saw it together. We wish we could have watched it with all of you because, man, it was funny. What is a galmance? There's got to be a better word than galmance. Instead of bromance? Yeah, you know. Yeah, just like, I guess it's just like squad goals, huh? Sure. Squad goals can be the equivalent of bromance. Okay, good. So your final assignment also, since we've been gone for a minute, is we would like your nerd confessions. Give us a call and let us know a moment when your nerdery had a memorable effect. This can be something good, something bad, something weird. Call us and tell us about your nerdiest moment. 312-600-5638. There's another way. If you don't want to do it in Mm -hmm. voicemail, you can record yourself on your smartphone and then email us the recording. So you can send that to nerdatpodcast at gmail.com. To inspire your nerd confessions, (laughs) here's one from this co-host relationship that happened recently. (laughs) Greta over there had some tonsillitis situations Uh and ended up in the ER. Yep. And to help her pass the time... We, and when I say we, I mean I read, read aloud a special time magazine about Star Trek. It was a Star Trek edition. Yeah, it was very sweet. Trisha reads out loud very beautifully in case any of you were wondering. I'm best at Berenstein Bear books, but I can also read Time Magazine (laughs) articles about Star Trek when needed. You have no idea how many times I have since cited that article in conversation. It was a good article. It had some great quotes from Kate Mulgrew. It was a Captain Janeway in it. (laughs) So yeah, there's a nerd confession for you. That's, That's the kind of stuff we're looking for, guys. This show is produced by us, Trisha Bobita and Greta Johnson, along with Joe Dassault. Our intern is Annie Newen. Our executive producer is Joel Meyer. You can listen to us wherever you're listening to us because, in fact, you are already listening to us. But we would really love it if you would take the plunge and subscribe to us on iTunes or follow us on NPR One or, you know, do whatever clicky thing makes it so that we show up on your phone or laptop every week. And the real heroes among you are those (laughs) who give us some stars on iTunes. 
It helps spread the good word about Nerdette. When you do that, it makes us very happy and gives us warm, fuzzy feelings. This week, we would like to say an extra special thank you to C-M-R-I-N-P-D-X. You know what I think that is? What? I think it's someone whose initials are CMR and they live in Portland. That's my theory. Or they're a commander? (laughs) Or they're a commander in any case. They say that Nerdette is something that their teenage daughters actually ask for, which I think is pretty sweet. I like that we're making family road trips more tolerable for everyone. (laughs) You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We are at Nerdette Podcast. And of course, you can also find us at NerdettePodcast.com. Nerdette is a production of WBEZ Chicago, where there are delightful podcasts for nerds of all stripes. Music nerds should be listening to Sound Opinions. If you like dusty historical dramas, make sure you're <laughs> listening to Pleasure Town. Find out more at wbez.org slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear. Do your homework. Do your homework. We gave kind of a lot of homework this week. Do you need a carrot? What? Is it from the bottom of your purse? Yes. Then no. <laughs> Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.